Welcome back. You are officially listening to episode 20 of the Roman's Empire podcast. Do we really make it through 20 episodes, Zach? Yeah, this is a milestone. Yeah. We're... Did not think we'd make it this far, honestly. Yeah, this is this is a big deal. This is a huge deal. Um, Yeah, we're back from a week-long hiatus. Yeah, a really long hiatus. It was painful. Yeah, I mean, you know, the international break, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, we were able to watch Ruben Loftus Cheek play. You know, his debut for England, really, really incredible debut. Yeah, uh, yeah. And against Germany, and then, of course, against Brazil, he was forced off the pitch with a back injury. We officially have two English internationals on loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that dawned on me when I saw the lineup for that Germany match. Yeah, well, I mean, t- and Tammy Abraham, unfortunately, he had to be stretchered off the field against Burnley, also with back issues. Yeah, so it's uh, two. It's uh, uh, two uh, loanies with back issues, but I mean, it's not all bad. Kurt Zuma today, he scored uh, off a corner today for Stoke. So, you know, and he's been really, really good on the defensive side. Has a really, really high uh, tackle rate, you know, comparatively for his team. But I miss him. Yeah, I mean, but he, he this experience is really good for him. I really miss Kurt Zuma. Can you imagine if we still had him in addition to like our super strong? Uh, back line well i was watching the second half of the stoke match and it's like it's no secret that Conte's trying to slowly bring in the new young center halves like christensen and rudiger and he's gonna start fading out people like david louise and gary cahill but now we have this kurt zuma coming back in like mm-hmm. and kurt zuma and rudiger are very similar in the way they play i think rudiger's a better ball player but i think as a one-on-one defender kurt zuma is just a monster so it's going to be interesting to see like how that dynamic will work out when he comes back next year because there's not a doubt in my mind that he's going to come back into the team. There's no way that his performances at Stoke haven't warranted him a spot in next year's team. Mm-hmm. There's just zero chance. But Yeah, let's get into this. Uh, our first match back from the international break. A mm-hmm. beat down against West Brom 4-0. Yeah. And uh, good old Tony Pulis got the sack. So right here on the script, I actually have Chelsea 4, Tony Pulis, negative 1,000. <laughs> because that was as bad of a performance as I've ever seen a Tony Pulis side put in. Like, and, and here's the thing. like It's kind of sad because Pulis, as much as I hate to say it, is he, like, he, he's, a, he's a decent manager. Yeah, he's not, he's not bad. He gets results. And like he is the perfect hiring for a club that is looking to stay in the, first, in the, in the top flight. He just knows how to get – he knows how to pick up points. He knows how to win matches. Like he's not – obviously he's not the most aesthetically pleasing manager, right? Mm. And, you know, he does wear the same sweatsuit on the sideline every single game with the same <laughs> baseball cap. But besides that, like he's he's quite a solid manager. And actually one of Jose Mourinho's really, really good friends. Really? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. He's, Mourinho's been very fond of Tony Pulis over the years. So uh... – Antonio Conte elected to pull out the three-five-two or three-five-one-one, whatever you like to call it. Um, we have, of course, Courtois in goal, Aspie, Christensen, and Cahill uh, manning the back three. Uh, we had Zapacosta and Marcos Alonso as the uh, wing backs. Nice to see Zapacosta get some uh, get a start in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and we got Cesc, um Bakayoko and Angolo Conte in the center. And then um, Hazard playing right behind Murata. Uh Just a great, great 
you know, relationship right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, let's just start off talking about those two, <laughs> their relationship together. Is this is this your favorite couple? Has it surpassed uh, Murata and Aspi? Um, it changes from week to week. <laughs> right. But Murata just seems like that kind of girl, right? Like, <laughs> that kind of no, girl? No, seriously. <laughs> um, they are absolutely lethal together, right? And it's and it's totally obvious. We saw glimpses of it for the first time that they really played with each other. We saw it against Atletico when we played um in Madrid. Obviously, we beat them in the last minute, but Hazard had a beautiful connection with Murata from day one, and we're only seeing it blossom even more and more as the season goes on. So, I mean, out of his eleven Premier League gaps, Murata scored eight and assisted four. So. A lot of people knocking him, right? Not being the type of striker Costa is. Maybe not being up to it as much as Costa is. He's, yeah, he's nothing like him. The proof is in the pudding. Like, like there's no other way to put it. Diego Costa did not put up these numbers when he first started. And Morata's definitely a different type of striker. Did you see the assist for Hazard's first goal? Oh my god, that touch was really Diego dirty. Costa would never, ever do that. He'd probably trap the ball... Wait for him to create contact from one of their center halves. Get bundled over to the floor and throw his hands up asking for a foul. Yeah, Costa can't play one-touch football. No, shit, really. no, no. He definitely can't. So, I mean, does this does kind of tie in with my question. And, and it's always been a subject of of mass debate between Chelsea fans and different Chelsea podcasts. So, did, did we upgrade on Diego Costa? Or is it too soon? I think it's 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 too soon to officially say that Murata is better. Because they both... they. You know, if if you're just gonna look at them as a pure goal scoring standpoint, I'd probably take Costa over Murata. Just you know, the I'm talking about volume of goals. Yeah. But I think when you look at how one his his chemistry with the with his teammates, you know, as well as you know, in the in the in the locker room, just overall being a better sport to play with, uh, his passing. His 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 intellect, you know, I I, I prefer Murata over Costa in that sense. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think that uh, Antonio Conte has done such an amazing job, uh, just changing our play style from you know transitioning from the time we had Costa, you know, playing with the three four three to now, which I I think that this three five two or three five one one is now are the three four three of last year and it's only because of how Murata has been playing his his ability to play one touch football yeah so i mean you alluded to like like this three four three or this three five two could be the three four three of last year mm-hmm. when we moved to the three four three of last year it was after a loss to arsenal at the emirates yeah. and we went on a 13 game win streak now with the three five two, and maybe a game or two with the three four three, we've won four games on to spin in the Premier League. So there's without a doubt in my mind that if we could get by this Liverpool game, I know we have a a really uh, solid run of fixtures coming up against some lower table teams. We could easily go on a run. Yeah. I mean, it, if we're not already on one already, <laughs> we we gotta go on a run and hope that Man City somehow stops playing like top 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 class football, which is <laughs> uh, probably not gonna happen. Looks like the title is theirs for the keeping, but I think that 
I mean, I think we could still outperform Man United. I know you you might think that Man United is going to be top is going to be you know finish second, but I think that we have a very good chance of you know. I think too. I mean, and I don't think I don't think title contention is completely out of the question either. You know. Yeah, yeah, of course. And and to say that our title aspirations are completely shot right now is is bogus. I mean, if you it's look close, math- but no, no, no. If you look mathematically, we're still in it. And people have to remember, like, we're not even in December yet. The the right. trans the the January transfer window hasn't even opened. Mm-hmm. Usually you don't start to see the true colors of a team until February or March when they get into the later stages of the Champions League and then they really have to start rotating and resting players for certain Premier League games, resting players for certain Champions League games, vice versa. Like That's when you really see the true test of the team. With Man City, it's it's interesting because John Stones went down with an injury. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's going to be huge for them because he's been a stalwart at their back three. He's their only ball playing center half that they have besides Vincent company who's never healthy. Right. Right. But I just feel like they're one injury away in terms of their attacking talent of really struggling. And the only person who would hurt them if he got injured would be Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. And you know, I'd never hope for another player to get hurt. Right. Zach. Right. Right. Yeah, of course. Maybe. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. A little bit, but Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy's just unreal. His lefty outside of the box against Leicester, just a rifle to the top corner. Yeah. He has the best left foot in the Premier League, and he's not even a lefty. Like, it's insane. Anyways, I, I do want to talk about Eden Hazard, though. So, you know, in his in, in his nine Premier League appearances, he has three goals and an assist. Now, those numbers aren't what we come to expect from Eden Hazard, but keep in mind that three of those appearances are off the bench. And that's when he was recovering from his major injury. Mm-hmm. But something I do want to know is that in those nine appearances, he had three man of the match performances. So yeah. that's showing that even though he doesn't put up the numbers that we want to see in a potential Ballon d'Or candidate, right? Because it's not far off to say that he has the ability to become that. Mm-hmm. But he does impact the matches regardless. And I think that the his switch from uh you know a wide man in the front three to a more deeper role in this three five two has just been the spark that he needed and i I think that he couldn't have found a more uh perfect you know playmate than Murata, just like the way they work together. We've talked about this week after week, but just the two of them I feel like they were born to just play together. I mean just something that I feel like needs to be said and, and I feel like it's in every Chelsea fan's subconscious. Yeah, Diego Costa is a better goal scorer, like you were saying earlier, but when it comes down to a player that fits more naturally into a system, I definitely think Murata is just tailor-made for a manager like Antonio Conte, where he asks his striker to do multiple things, oftentimes different things in different matches, and Murata is a player who could adapt to that rather than Diego Costa, whose only real strategy was kind of bullying his way through and getting a few tap-ins here and there. Mm-hmm. Um. But I do want to talk about wing backs. Yeah. And this and this was huge in this match. Something I noticed was our wing backs stole the show. I actually have my man of the match down as Zapacosa and Alonso combined because they were just abnormal on the day. So um according to whoscored.com, they rated Zapacosa seven point nine six. He had six tackles, two clearances, an interception, all while having a ninety percent pass success rate. A 90% pass success rate from a wing back position where your main job is to whip a couple ball, to whip balls into the box. And 
you know, with the, with the three five two, it's so crucial to have those wing backs playing in like top form, mm-hmm. just because you don't have anyone else playing like on the wide as a winger, you know, as opposed to the the three four three. Support is limited, right? Yeah. So I mean, and you know the. Angola Conte and Bakayoko, they're not necessarily gonna, you know, play with the ball and create a chance for you. That's that's mostly gonna be Fabregas, but mm-hmm. it's important for whoever is gonna be playing wing, uh, whether that be you know Marcus Alonso, whether that be Zapacosta, or you know even when Victor Moses comes back. And let's let's talk about Dude. that a little bit because yeah, you know he was one of our most important players last year. He was in our he was you know a starter in our in our strongest squad um probably sorry what were you gonna say and i was gonna say and probably still is yeah i think i know what question you're gonna ask yeah i mean zapacosta has been playing in great form but is will he will he give him a run for the starting job i definitely think he will especially right off the bat antonio conte is a manager that doesn't like to rush players back from injury he definitely takes his time, and and in a position like right wing back, where Zapacosta has definitely proved himself to be worthy of a spot in the squad, I think he trusts Zapacosta enough to just kind of deputize until Victor Moses gets back into in, into top form and top fitness. But yeah, I mean that starting spot is definitely going to be open, and, and I called it from day one. I always thought that Marcus Alonso was a more natural wing back than Victor Moses mm-hmm. and that we needed more cover in right wing back as opposed to left mainly because Azpilicueta hasn't been doing too too well as a right wing back when being called upon but Zapacosta is just he's quick he's fast he's a solid 1v1 defender he's great with the ball at his feet I mean he has all the attributes to be a success in a Conte team similar to Victor Moses so it's going to be interesting to see what he does um but I do want to talk a little bit about Marcus Alonso, right? Yes, let's talk so about So he got a whoscored.com rating of 8.42. Very nice. In his 43 games for Chelsea, mm-hmm. he has nine goals and three assists. So as a wingback, uh, yeah, as a wingback. <laughs> those stats are pretty ridiculous. Right. What can't he do? Uh, I mean, besides being Alexandra, I don't know. Besides not being Alexandra. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> besides not being Alexandra, yeah. I mean. <laughs> I mean, it, to me, that seems like the only pitfall of his Chelsea career so far is that Chelsea fans have come to expect high-profile marquee signings to come in. And Marcus Alonso was definitely someone who was not on anyone's radar. No. And with all fairness, Antonio Conte is really good at picking out those players or whoever's doing the scouting. Mm-hmm. Because we also picked up Davide Zapacosta that way. And look at the type of player he became for us. Yeah. We picked up Antonio Rudiger, who's not a household center back name. Obviously a German international, but still not a player that everybody considers world class or elite. Man, I wonder how many like under the radar secrets there are in playing in the Italian league right now. Because there's not a lot of people who are who are watching it. And it just I feel no, like the only reason why we're isn't. getting them is because Conte is paying attention and, uh, you know, we are able to get two really quality players, you know, both of our wingbacks from, you know, for very little money. They were both steals, you know. Yeah, considering the output and, and, and the inflation in today's market. Yeah, definitely. The, the, I think they are bargain buys, but I do also think that the Spanish league, the German league, the Portuguese league, the French league, the Italian league, whatever league I didn't mention. 
those all those leagues are also gold mines as well. It's just a matter of having a manager who knows what he wants and having a system in place where you have scouts that know what the manager wants as well. Now, Conte did voice his displeasure about the transfer business, right? But I feel like a lot of the players that they did bring in that are obvious Conte signings have worked out to perfection. Yeah. And Marcus Alonso is one of them, and Zappacosta is another. There's no way the Chelsea hierarchy selected Davide Zappacosta as a top target. Uh, No, I I doubt that. That was definitely Antonio Conte's plan B or C. And it's worked brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, if that's our plan B or C, I'm happy with that. I wonder what... I can only imagine what A or B was. Alexandro. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of A, Fabregas's play, I would rate that as an A lately. Yeah. And finally, definitely. finally, he's able to free his play with Angola and Bakayoko, you know, being a defensive shield behind him. You know, it's, it's allowed him to play more free. He had two assists in this game, um, one off of a set piece and then one... Oh, that over the Hazard was, was just yeah, like, and then I mean just the delicious. the the amazing first touch by Hazard to bring it down and you know kind of fake the shot and then just boop it into the the, the corner. <laughs> That's a very good description. Yeah, of the way it, it just was because it. it wasn't a strong when he shot. brought when he brought the ball down and Hazard does this a lot where he gets one on one with the keeper. He always slows down for some reason and and I always hold my breath. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, just shoot the fucking ball, right? <laughs> he takes his time. And he just kind of takes his time. He, like, he like, to use a hockey term, he dekes around a couple of defenders uh-huh. and then boops it into a corner, just like he said. Uh-huh. That was a beautiful goal overall. But it does – Fabregas is definitely the type of player that people do knock him for, for not being world-class in the sense that he's not a midfielder. He's not a defensive midfielder. He can't put in a shift. He's not a defensive Fabregas, midfielder, not Fa- at all. Not at all, but Fabregas is one of those players that I do consider world-class because a world-class player for me is someone that does something, a very specific job, better than anyone else. And there's very few people in world football that could pick out a pass like Cesc Fabregas can. Fabregas is, without a doubt, at his best playing in front of a midfield too. And I think that this three-five-two, I mean, it's, like it's it we I can't fathom not having Fabregas starting anymore, mm-hmm. and I just we can't have him play alongside only either um, Bakayoko or Conte. It has to be both of them, and he needs to have someone, two people behind him, so he can have more freedom. Mm-hmm. But you know, of course, if we switch to a three-five-two, what does that mean for Willian and Pedro? You know, I mean, those two were so crucial for have for a three uh, three-four-three last year uh-huh. but you know because like i said before costa couldn't really play one touch football but now that we have a guy like Murata, we're able to play this 352 and it's just working out so well it's just more fluent for their counter attacking yeah. style I mean, that we what, go for right what, what what does that mean for a william and pedro going forward well, I mean, obviously, I don't have to sing the praises of Willian and Pedro enough because I think Chelsea fans know how valuable they are to our team, firstly, and secondly, how quality players they are, right? Yeah, of course. But unfortunately for them, they're falling victim to a system change, and not only that, they're falling victim for not being world-class, and that's the only thing keeping them out of this squad. If Cesc Fabregas wasn't playing this well and wasn't world-class in his role, William and Pedro would still be having a go. Um, we've seen William play the number 10. 
a couple of times in a Chelsea shirt and, mm-hmm. and do pretty well in that in, in that position. There's there's no doubt in my mind that we might be able to get by a couple matches by playing Pedro and Hazard's role and dropping Hazard a little deeper to play the number 10. Yeah, and I've, and I've seen rumors and people talking, Chelsea fans talking about, you know, possibly moving one of the two or both of them. But I think that with, with, with the way our scenes have been going, with people getting hurt and us just not having any depth whatsoever. Right, I think it would be it would not be smart, especially since I think Williams... Uh, contract ends after this summer yeah and you know it is kind of sad because you do see a lot of these william to man united links oh jose wants to reunite with william listen we're not going to make the same mistake twice (laughs) at least i hope we don't make the same mistake twice because we can't give them to man no yeah yeah there's no there's absolutely no way and if it does happen i don't know what i'll do with myself so I think that's enough about the West Brom match because it was a very boring match. It was so a have, very comfortable 4-0 win. Do you have any final notes you wanted to put? Um, yeah, I think we'll see Tony Pulis coaching in the Premier League really soon. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should look into this win too much. I just think it was a very professional performance and a very solid performance and a very clinical performance. Yeah, so I, my, my final notes here has got a couple of things to say. Fuck Claudio Jakob. He's a dirty, yeah, he's a dirty little bitch. He's a douchebag, isn't he? Um, he always used to get into it with Diego Costa too. Yeah, I think it was. He's last just a wind year. up guy. I think last year when they were playing Tottenham, he like really got into Deli Ali's head, and Ali actually like swung at him. And oh, was that Deli Ali's red card yeah. last year? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. This, he, I, I'm not a fan of the way he plays. Yeah, um, he's just a he's he's just a bully, right? He he's. Tony Pulis literally tells him, go out there and kick Eden Hazard 17 times. I don't think he's even worthy of us talking about him. Yeah. Um, next, my next point, Conte's beard, in or out? In. In. Beard in. Beard in. All day. I love yep. it. Beard in. Um, And then <laughs> the manager with the most points after their first 50 Premier League games, uh, number one, Jose Mourinho with 126 points. Number two, Antonio Conte after this last one with 118. Can you guess who uh, number three is? Is he a Chelsea manager? He is another Chelsea manager. Is he another Italian Chelsea manager? <laughs> he is, yes. Is it Carlo Ancelotti? <laughs> yeah, so nice. number three, Carlo Ancelotti with 114 points. I mean, I don't know if like how to make of that stat. The top three managers with the most points after their first 50 Premier League games. Uh, all Chelsea managers within the past uh, eight years, who's nine number, years. Who's number four? Four is Pep. Oh, that's not a surprise. Got 112, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I pretty, I think five is, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but um, I don't remember who it was. Um, oh, so let's uh, let's get into this uh, Champions League game. Chelsea very, versus Carabao. Very, we'll very quickly talk about this Champions League right, game. Right, so Wednesday. It's going to be an earlier kickoff, mm-hmm. um, so make sure you guys... Don't miss it. I think it's pretty simple. If we win, we guarantee our spot in the knockout stages. If not, we'll we have, have a very, very tough task. Right. By playing Atletico at home. You know, you know there's there's reports. I mean, Conte was, has been complaining about the fixture pileup. And, you know, it's been making arguments that, you know, all the Premier League teams should have the same amount of time to prepare for matches, you know, since we have Liverpool playing on Tuesday. Um, against Sevilla, and we're playing on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you agree with what he's saying? 
to be honest, I was actually kind of surprised that Conte said this. Like it, it's, it strikes me as something that you might hear Jose Mourinho or Pep Guardiola moaning about because they're <laughs> the types of managers that like to moan about really not. I don't want to say a dumb issue because I do see what Conte's sentiment is here, but to me, it's just kind of a lost argument, right? Because with him going out there and stating like, "Oh, we well, we don't have enough time to prepare for our Premier League match," well. That's not the English Premier League's fault. That, that that's not the English Football Federation's fault. It's UEFA's fault because they scheduled the Champions League match, right? Like you can't have it both ways and this is life. I mean, this is how it is in Champions League. To be honest, I'm not buying it. This is one of the very first times where Conte has said something and I just completely disagreed and just kind of laughed about it. Um yeah, I I don't know. I don't know where he's coming at this. Like Liverpool plays Sevilla on Tuesday. We play Carabag on a Wednesday. Yeah, but I mean they're gonna be probably manning their their best their best squad out there, and we we don't necessarily have to. No, no, and we don't. But I think Conte will regardless because first of all, it's a must win game, mm-hmm. and we don't want to have to rely on beating Atletico or if if they end up losing. Well, let's or not drawing. forget Carabag tied Atletico twice. Right. I mean, so, I mean to be fair, Atletico has been really, really. Shit at scoring this season. I mean, not overall because their defense has been great, but they just haven't been able to score goals. So yeah. it's not it's not too out of like it's not too out of the norm for them to not have beaten Karabag. But still, I mean, it's, it should it's, be a, it's, it's a top level club versus Karabag. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, score predict score predictions. What are you what are you guessing here? I I honestly I have no idea what kind of like lineup we're gonna front. If, if I think if we do like a very strong one, we'll end up taking a three nil, three one. Um, I, I mean I don't think Carbog's gonna be able to score on us. Uh, I don't know if they even scored this whole Champions League. I'll have to look that up. But um, if if we put up one they, of our younger I think squads, they have scored in the Champions League. All right, yeah, well, I'll look that up later. But um, two zero. Two zero. If we if we don't have our strongest squad, I'm gonna go three nil. I think I think we'll net two in the first half. Carabag will get pretty deflated, and then um, Conte will start to sub out the Hazards and Maratas and the Fabregas's and bring in some of the some of our substitutes and just cruise the three nil victory. I don't see them posing us any problems whatsoever in this match. Yeah, and I I was very wrong. They they scored one against Roma and. The draw against Atletico was one one. I for some reason I thought it was. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the goal against Roma was an own goal. Was it? Uh, might have been. If yeah, I'm not mistaken. Because yeah, because Carabag they drew zero zero and then drew one one against Atletico. Yeah. So, anyways, let's move on. I, I I think this Chelsea versus Liverpool match needs most of our attention this podcast. So, uh-huh. a very very attacking. I don't know how to describe Liverpool. Attacking, that, that's very attacking, <laughs> very, right? Like that's a, very attacking and not definitely much of not anything else. Definitely not defensive. That's if that's that's not the word you're but, looking for. But but it's just so odd because they're just to use like an American sports term. I guess I guess they're run and gun. Like they're very gung ho. Uh-huh. Like they play football kind of like how a kamikaze flies an airplane, mm-hmm. right? They just go for it. And whatever result they're going to get, they kind of take it, but they just outgun people. So it's going to be a tough match. I mean, I have, I have a couple stats here about our away record versus Liverpool. So since 
since the 2000-2001 season, we've played Liverpool 17 times in Anfield. We've won seven times, we've drawn four times, and we've lost six times. Obviously not a very bad record, right? So it's solid. I mean, it's not amazing, but it just shows that when we do go to Anfield, we usually turn up and we usually take something away from it, whether it's one point or three points. Um, in our last five away matches at Anfield, we scored eight goals. Yeah, and, and only conceded five. And conceded five. So maybe we can keep Liverpool out of the net. I don't think we're going to keep this Liverpool team out of the net, especially with the type of form they're in. Mm-hmm. But the same rule applies as it did last year and the year before and the year before. And basically any Jurgen Klopp Liverpool side. You have to score more than one goal to beat these guys. Yeah. Last year we scored one goal and it did not work. It's going to be very, very hard to keep them out of the net. I honestly don't expect us to keep them out of the net. No, definitely not. In twenty-four, in 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 twelve matches so far, Liverpool have scored twenty-four goals in all competitions. However, they did concede seventeen in their twelve. Yeah, I think that that tells you everything you need to know about this match. It's going to be, it'll probably be a high-scoring match. A lot of chances to both teams, obviously. Um, like I said, Liverpool is very gung ho. Look for them to press our midfield. They're definitely gonna. Going to put as much pressure on our back three as possible, especially if Cahill gets a start. They're going to be pressuring the hell out of Gary Cahill because he is not a ball-playing center half. Um, so who who else on uh, who on Liverpool should we be looking out for? I mean, uh, the obvious one's Mohamed Salah, right? Like, Yeah, yet I, another Chelsea what-if. Yeah, a, a big Chelsea what-if. So, I mean, I guess there's only one way to describe him now, and that's just a man on fire, right? Well, um, yeah, twelve appearances, Premier nine Premier League goals, two assists in the Premier League, fourteen goals in all competitions. I think he's the first player in the Premier League to score fourteen goals in all competitions for his club. And also, since Luis Suarez left, there's been no Liverpool player that scored more than fourteen goals in a season. And that's a hell of a stat. And there, uh, he's at fourteen, and it's only November. I mean, he could he could probably make a run at Golden Boot if he keeps going the way he's going. He is he is the leader right now in goals, uh, and it won't surprise me because he he'll be. I mean, he has that extra motivation of a of a World Cup. Yeah, definitely. Egypt qualified Egypt. for the World Cup. Yeah, and Egypt's not not that bad, honestly, this year. No, no, they're they're a very solid um, international side. So, so what kind of what kind of threat does he pose to us? Who, Mohamed Salah? Yeah, uh, pacey winger, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you do not want him in a 1v1 situation because he will burn you. He is the type of player to eat you alive um, with his pace. But he also has a lot of the same attributes as Pedro, right? So he is a winger, but he does have like a, a lot of natural uh, striker instincts. He, he finds himself in great goal-scoring positions and makes great runs. He could definitely slice, slice your defense apart with or without the ball. Um, that's just basically his bread and butter and and that and that's how he makes his money yeah and i think an, another player that is is very similar to muhammad salah and you know the terms of attack i mean not really as of late but in general saudi omane is another player that we oh, gotta look at I'm a, I'm a yeah i'm a chelsea fan but one of my favorite players to watch in world football saudi omane yeah i mean he's been scoreless in his last six appearances for liverpool after his blistering hot start and then you know coming off an injury we, we don't want this match to be the match to get Mane back on the score sheet okay no and and, and Sadio Mane has a habit of 
when he's on a goal drought, when he breaks it, he breaks it with multi-goal games. Yeah, so we, 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 we can't let this match be the one he breaks. No, no, no. God, I, I love the way he plays. I just... He's he's absolutely brilliant to watch. I don't think he'll be at Liverpool long. I I think I think after Coutinho finally goes to Barcelona or wherever he's gonna go because it looked he's not gonna stay at Liverpool forever. No. I definitely think Sadio Mane is gonna be next in line to kind of take over as the the guy on that team who attracts interest from a lot of the other big clubs. Yeah, I mean Liverpool's all of their stars are they are really young and you know, a third person out of course we gotta talk about Coutinho. Yeah. Uh, his last five Premier League appearances, three goals, three assists, and three man of the matches. Um uh, this guy uh, controls the midfield probably behind Hazard as one of the top, you know, midfielders in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely, definitely a threat with and without the ball again. But one thing I am worried about and one thing that he's going to be looking for is to kind of break through that line and expose the gap between our midfield and our back three. Because from outside of the box, I don't think there's anyone else better in the Premier League at picking out a top corner than Felipe Coutinho is. Um... That's just one of the threats he poses. I mean, he has the ability to pick out a pass. He has ability to cross the ball. He has ability to beat the defenders one-on-one. He's basically one of those footballers that has it all. Mm-hmm. Now, he is playing in place, I mean, at least lately, in place of Adam Lallana in, in, in as a part of the midfield three. Do you think that Jurgen Klopp will opt to play Coutinho in that midfield three? Because, I mean, with us playing with Bakioko and Ingolo Conte, it's going to be hard for Jordan Henderson and Jorginho Wijnaldum to kind of outrun them. You know, I mean, there is actually a chance that Adam Lallana comes back. I mean, he might even return tomorrow for their Champions League match against Sevilla. Um, I think that if he does return, we will see Lallana back in that lineup and Coutinho's role change a little bit as far as being, you know, the middle guy in that midfield. But, um, I don't know. I just, I just think that he's, I think he's a world class player. You know, he's been linked with Barcelona for almost a year, and uh, it's just Liverpool a matter of just, time, li- isn't it? I mean, it, I don't even know if Liverpool's willing to get rid of him because, I mean, as well, as the way it looks right now from the players that we've been describing so far, I mean, and, and there's more Firmino, and you know, they're gonna get um, what's his name next next Nabi year? Keita. From, yeah, Nabi Keita. Keita's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. They, you know, this is a this is a team poised to be a force in in a, a in a couple of years not this year uh but i mean they're still pretty good this year but their future is looking really bright so well i mean just something quick that i want to mention and we did allude to this in our preseason you know um podcast Jurgen Klopp, for Jurgen Klopp the the clock is ticking mm-hmm. he has to win something and he has to win something soon we all know Liverpool's a perfect club for him, right? You know, very, very tight knit fan base, a very so- somewhat religious fan base, yeah. right? Like, yeah, they're loyal to them. They're 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 probably the one of the most loyal fans in English football, mm-hmm. and Klopp loves that, and and they love him. But I know there is a lot of unrest about the way results have been going, and and the failure to to add any trophies to the trophy cabinet. So I think they'll be coming though in in time. So what what do you think we'll need to do to win this match tomorrow? Um, 
I mean, sorry, on uh, this weekend. There's a couple things, right? So, I mean, I think the first one, obviously, is uh, limiting the wing play. Mm-hmm. They have two top-class wingers in Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, who we already talked about. But our wingbacks are going to have to get on their horses and be ready to run in this match because Salah and Mane are arguably the two fastest players in the Premier League at the moment. And uh-huh. Marcus Alonso and Zappacosta have to be ready to run and run a lot. A big reason or, or a big way to stop the wing play for Liverpool is to press our wings higher. Yeah. And and, and we have to pin them back. Um, we cannot allow them to expose the space between our outside center backs and our wing backs. No. They're, they're not. They're way too quick. They're. I don't think that. I mean, I think the only way to really deal with them, and I, I hate to say this because. I fucking hate it every time other, you know, players do other teams do this to us. But I think we got to be really physical and give them the Stoke treatment a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, but try to rough them up a little bit physically. But you know, just the two of them together, their their speed, their their score goal scoring potential. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna be real. It's gonna be a really really tough task for whoever is chosen to play wing back, uh, to go up against these guys. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think the dark arts are in order for a match like this. <laughs> I also think that we need to smother their midfield, in particular Felipe Coutinho, right? Oh, yeah. If we allow him to get on the ball and pick his head up, he'll find a pass. Mm-hmm. Or he'll find a little seam that he could split and, and have a pop at goal. So uh, whoever is man-marking him in that game, because I do think man-marking would be to our advantage in a match like this. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty crucial if i was antonio conte i would just let ingolo conte be the destroyer that he is and have bakioko follow coutinho wherever Uh the hell he is that's that's exactly what i was thinking too because jordan henderson's not really the biggest goal threat in the world although he does score goals every now and then vinaldum really hasn't gotten his scoring boots on this season Mm -hmm. but again he's he's a player that could do some damage but if we have uh ingolo conte as that safety valve i think i think we'll be in good hands um i think that the number one thing that we need to do, and you know, we we alluded to this earlier, but we gotta expose their crap backline. Oh yeah, they're absolute garbage. I mean, Lovren, he, it's, he's been, he's it's been laughable. He's been awful since he left Southampton. Uh, Hampton. He was quality at Southampton. That's what's so confusing is like when he left, and I remember when Liverpool bought him, I was like, wow, that's actually a pretty good buy. Mm-hmm. But, but it's yeah, just I don't know why it's not. I mean, is it? It might be just because. Jurgen Klopp is not the most offensive-minded manager out there, but I mean, mm-hmm. I you can't are put you, that on him. Are you buying that? Yeah, I mean, because uh, I know that's a source <laughs> of a lot of debate is whether or not Jurgen Klopp could coach a side that it could be solid at the back. I mean, we haven't seen it so far, so until he proves me wrong, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, we can't, you know, you can't discredit him, discredit him as an overall manager because he has had a lot of success at. Dortmund and of course I mean he's he's doing a really good job here at Liverpool um but he isn't he's isn't necessarily dealt the best in hand with with the players that he has in the back line I mean also Matip who probably is their best defender their only decent defender or half he, decent he's defender. he's coming off an injury might not even make it to the match um, hopefully he does it Moreno he's <laughs> do we really need to talk about his defending yeah you if you if you're an NBA fan and you've seen like any of those James Harden defense clips, <laughs> Alberto Moreno is basically the footballing version of James Harden. Yeah, 
and and he's a defender. <laughs> yeah, he's a defender. But you know what? Offensively, I gotta give I gotta give him credit. He's a very very good attacking wing back. But yeah, as a defender, he's he's a fucking joke. And then Nathaniel Klein's obviously injured. Who's they're starting right back. So most likely we're gonna see the youngster Trent Alexander Arnold, who is he's been up and down this season. You know, he has good matches. He has bad matches. Well, the bottom line is he's young and he's still pretty naive as a footballer. And I think if if we could get Murata or Hazard 1v1 in a 1v1 situation against them, I think they'll just rip them to shreds. And and that goes for the rest of Liverpool's backline. I mean, there's just no one out of this whole list of names I'm looking at that screams out stalwart or someone that would be able to slot into any other top six side and immediately make them better Mm -hmm. and that's and that's been liverpool's problem for a while now and they've just ceased to even attempt to bring it to to solve it i mean for some reason virgil van dyke was the only center back on the market for liverpool yeah that did not work out there's no reason why they couldn't find another center half there it's just it's it's baffling honestly um but I do think, you know, Liverpool has struggled and they have shown signs in the past of struggling against teams that let them have the ball. Mm-hmm. And especially with, with you know, if we play a 3-5-2 mm-hmm. and uh, Fabregas plays in the same form that he's been playing in uh, and he's able to pick out those those long balls that, you know, with, with Hazard or Murata beating their shit back line. Um, <laughs> Emphasis th- on the sh- that one, huh? I... I think that it, it it's no question that that's the way we should be playing. Yeah. Um, sitting back a little bit and trying to you know trying to beat Liverpool at their own game. I mean, when you do look at when you do look at other opponents and you do try to analyze them and think how you beat them, you got to think when and how is this team at their best? And this Liverpool team is at their best on the counter attack because they just stifle you with pace and precision, and and, and just clinicality, right? Mm-hmm. Clinicality is that a word? Clinicality, a Clinic? cl- if it's not, it is now. Clinically, or whatever. Anyways, I do think this Liverpool team here. Looking it up, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna look it up on Google. Yeah. Well, like I said, if this Liverpool team does not have space to run into and space to play into, oh my gosh, it's not a word, is it? <laughs> no, but there's a tweet from a guy saying. Why isn't clinicality a word? It's perfect for what I'm trying to say. That's exactly <laughs> how we feel right now. Yep. Shout guys, out to that guy. Saints FC like fan. Man. Saints FC. I've never even heard of that team. No, me neither. But anyways, <laughs> going back to this whole Liverpool thing. If they don't have space to run into, they're going to struggle. And I think other managers have learned that if you let oh, Liverpool... Saints, oh, Saints Southampton. He's a Southampton, Southampton fan. <laughs> if you have other... If you have... You keep making me lose my train of thought. I'm sorry. Let's just move on. All right, clinicality just, no, no, is a word. No, I want to move on. What's your predictions? I think that it's. I think it's inevitable that they're going to be scoring. Um, I think that they'll put their. They might put two goals back past us, but um, as we talked about, pretty much the whole moral of this discussion has been as, as good as they are offensively. They're just. They're even worse defensively um so i think that the final score will either walk we're gonna walk away with points for sure it's either gonna be two two we walk away with one point or three two we walk away with three well uh i have a little bit different of a take right Uh uh-huh so 
here's the way I feel about this match in particular at this point in time. Right now. If we do not put at least two past them, I'll be pretty di- pretty disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Their back line is crap. They don't have anyone in their side who could replicate a top-class defender at any time, right? Alberto Moreno is a joke. I, I think that's enough said, right? <laughs> and I think that's something that Antonio Conte is going to target in this match, and that he's foolish if he doesn't target. If Hazard gets a sniff at a 1v1 situation with either outside back, it's game, set, match. I feel very confident with our chances to do something special in this game. Because their backline is absolute shit. Anything less than a win for me is disappointing at this point. So with that being said, I'm gonna go Chelsea two one. Two one. You don't think do you think they're only gonna score one goal against us? I think this match is just gonna be like that typical they score on us first, we look deflated, or everyone thinks we look deflated, and then we prove all the haters wrong. And just final point, and we didn't write this on our script anywhere, but which three do you think uh, Conte will will bring out as our back three? I think we have two Premier League clean sheets in a row. I don't think he's going to change a thing. I think Christensen's going to stay at center half. Um, I think Aspie's obviously going to be on the right. Yeah. Um, and then it's either going to be Cahill or Rudiger on the left. Cahill did play last week in the Premier League. I think that Rudiger is going to play against Karabag in the Champions League. So I think Cahill might slip out on the left this time around. Right, I agree. But if it was my personal opinion, I'd probably put Rudiger on the left just because he's a ball-playing center half and you know they're going to press you. Yeah, I mean, Rudiger's last start was was pretty poor. But uh, I think he, he's willing to bounce back against this team. I still have, like, the utmost faith in that guy. Like, like that performance, for me, was a one-off. Right. So, you know, I, I, I'm still super confident about him. I'm really excited that we have him, but... That kind of brings us to the end of the podcast. Huh? It was a quick episode this week. Um, really quick, please make sure to follow us on Twitter, um, Romans Empire Pod. Um, also, email us if you have questions, Roman, Pod at gmail.com. Uh, look for us on iTunes. Um, you could also look for us on any third-party app. Um, if you have it on your phone, we're basically there. Um, so please give us a follow. Let us know what you think. Shout out to Chris from Denmark, by the way, who Chris actually from... changed his Twitter name to Chris from Denmark. Nice. Yeah. So well, shout out. Is that a little shout out to us? You think? So I, I definitely think it is. Yes. And I think that we finally impacted one person's life Chris by starting Denmark. this podcast. So congratulations, Sam. We did it. We made it. I feel um, so great. I'm very bittersweet that this is our last ever episode. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Anyways, we'll see you guys next week. Until then, keep the blue flag flying high.